We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFP Nation All-America podcast presented by Twisted Tea. I'm Bill Trochi, senior editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our national college football writer at SportingNews.com. You can follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92. You can follow me at Bill Trochi and keep an eye on the main Sporting News account at Sporting News. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and submit a brief review. That would be very helpful for us. The uh, 2023 regular season is in the books after 13 weeks. We have a big championship weekend coming up, and we're coming off a Saturday that basically we've been waiting for all season. But again, amazingly, at the top, nine teams in the round, top nine teams in the rankings won, except, of course, you know, we needed to have a loser in the Michigan-Ohio State game. Uh, but there were plenty of thrills, fun games. Let's start in Ann Arbor, Bill. You were there. For the latest chapter of the game, take us through it. Take us through the pregame atmosphere and then take us basically behind the ropes at the press conferences and what happened with the aftermath. Yeah, I mean, I I say it all the time. And yes, I'm biased growing up in central Ohio and having family that both sides of this thing. And it's uh, there's not a better rivalry game. There's just not there. There's not a better setting for a game. There's not a better. Uh, two programs, obviously, they've done this as top five teams. That the stakes, the magnitude, the this game maybe it falls somewhere in between 2006, the one and two showdown, and 2016 with the spot. This was probably somewhere in between those because I don't think it's probably actually a little bit behind them because there was a lot of tension in the game and there were a lot of things in it, but just felt we got duped last week into thinking Ohio State was the better team. And Michigan was just a little bit better than them on Saturday. They didn't turn the ball over. Sharon Moore made the better coaching decisions. J.J. McCarthy was the better quarterback. Talent-wise, it's close. There's not like a significant gap between these programs. But as far as this year goes, Michigan was just a little bit better. And you said to me during the game there was less red in the stands than Mm -hmm. there usually is in Ann Arbor. 
Dan Wetzel on his podcast said the same exact thing. Um, so that was noticeable. Uh, and why do you think that was this year? Well, I mean, Dan and I were probably both in that press box in, in 2013 or 2017 in these games where it looked like giant cans of tomato soup in the big house of red. And it that's the first thing I looked at, kind of looked around the stadium and said, okay, I can see the high state band. I could see the Ohio State players' families, and then you didn't see a lot of red in there. So that tells me that one, Michigan season ticket holders kept their tickets, and you know they didn't sell them, and they were probably very expensive to sell anyway. And two, that Michigan that was as loud as that place has been. You always hear that 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 stadium's never been that loud. No, it was pretty loud. They they were pretty riled up, and um, for them. For J.J. McCarthy and Blake Corum, and then the game really turned, and we wrote about this Saturday, that it turned when Zach Zinter got hurt. You thought, oh, no, they lost their interior guard. They're not going to be able to hold up. They haven't been able to run the ball. Next play, Blake Corum busts the touchdown. And you heard McCarthy talk about that afterward. He said the huddle was, it was like, all right, we're going to do this for him. And It was 17-17 at the time of the injury, right? Yeah, and then Michigan dominated the game from there in some ways. And and a couple things there is that they have leadership from guys like J.J. McCarthy and Blake Corm. So huge. They have leadership on that defensive side of the ball. I don't know that their defense is better than it was last year or the year before, despite the stats. But the leadership, the mature, this is the most mature Michigan team I've seen probably in 25 years. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And that's how they were able to to overcome no Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. And Sharon Moore, like you said, I think went for it on fourth down three times. I think they were all fairly obvious choices to go for fourth down. I don't think any of them were necessarily risky. I mean, the I think the first quarter touchdown was inside the one or whatever. So that was, you know, kind of a no-brainer. Um, the one that got 
focused on a lot was Ryan Day's fourth down decision. Well, he had two, I guess. He punted in the first quarter in his own territory at fourth and one. And then the other one was right before the half, fourth and two at the, what, the 35-yard line? Yes. About 40 seconds to go. And then he just let the clock run down and kick a field goal. That was a safe way to go. Um, he got, you know, he's, he's played these games a little bit scared. I've felt like in the past, I kind of agreed with it a little bit at the time. Looking back, I think 50, I didn't realize kicker had never made a 52 yarder before he did make it on like the, the snap before. So he did show he had the leg, um, but it it did feed the narrative that that Ryan Day coaches this game a little bit a little bit unsure of himself. Yeah, Michigan's in his head a little bit, and that's 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 what it is. And I, the Cooper comparison comes up all the time. I don't still don't think it's that. I, I think this game has always been about a couple things with the coaching matchups. I, I always go back to Lloyd Carr. You look at Lloyd Carr's record before, like Lloyd Carr had Cooper's number. Then Trestle had Lloyd Carr's number. Everything after that, Michigan had some rough coaches. Urban had Harbaugh's number, and Harbaugh slash Sharon Moore. They've got Ryan Day's number right now. And the thing with the the best comparison to me is the Carr Trestle one. Lloyd Carr was a fan, he's a Hall of Fame football coach. But when those games came around against Ohio State, he would one, he'd get outside of who he was a little bit. He would two, there would be one or two or three plays three key decisions and it's exactly what we're doing with Ryan Day there. Like I'm with you Bill, I don't necessarily disagree with those decisions, but because they lost and because they didn't, you know, because the field goal wasn't made or because they decided to punt on a fourth down and Sharon Moore it worked for him. Like what if uh Colston Loveland drops that fourth and one pass? Then then Sharon Moore is a moron. Uh so when Trestle and Carr were going back and forth Lloyd Carr was always that guy that didn't happen for him. And yeah, that's the problem. I mean, there's when you take the emotion out of it, which I always tell people and living in Ohio, you you have to use that phrase a lot. When you take the emotion out of it, <laughs> what do you have? You're not going to fire Ryan Day. Let's start there. So I think it's a little bit of a culture issue because Michigan was, remember four years ago, Justin Fields said, we're more serious about this rivalry than they are. I could make the argument right now that Michigan's the more serious football team. And, you know, you bring up John Cooper and it's like you hear, oh, Ryan Day's on the hot seat. He's not beating Michigan. Look at John Cooper. Well, John Cooper lasted, what, 13 years, right? Two, 10 and one. That's 13 years of not beating Michigan. He didn't get fired. And Jim Harbaugh started off 0-5 against Ohio State. He didn't get fired. So this hot seat with Ryan day talk just seems silly to me. I mean, it means everything and everything, but we've got examples of coaches who did well and couldn't beat the rival and didn't get fired. So like, why, what's changed? Why, what do you think has changed there? I I live in central Ohio and you have to understand the people around here. Like you work with me. I'm irrational. Sometimes you magnify that by about a billion and that's what it is when they lose to Michigan, there's the story about, I believe it was Cooper's last game up at Michigan. And they said, you know, you drive under bridges 
going back to Ohio. And it's a long drive back to central Ohio from Ann Arbor. And they said, I heard the story that as they were driving back and there was a bridge over a road and it had Cooper's record spray painted on it to remind all the Ohio state fans of what it was. I mean, they take this thing really seriously. And I would make the argument. If you asked an Ohio state fan, like 10 Ohio state fans today, so all right, next year, Next year, you're not going to win the national title, but you're going to beat Michigan. Which one will you take? And I bet you seven to eight out of ten will say we'll take the Michigan win. <laughs> or you you can win the national title or mich- beat Michigan. But you could you can win the national title, but you're not going to beat Michigan. Or you beat Michigan. I bet you seven to eight will just take the beat Michigan part. And that's the situation we're going to be in next year. Like Ohio State can, like they did this year, go 11 and one and get into the postseason tournament and win the national championship. This year, not going to happen. Last year, they did actually get in, uh, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. So as you wrote, this is kind of the end of an of an, of an era in terms of the Ohio State-Michigan game. Not only is it pin your hopes on beating your arch rival, but it also the national championship hopes hang in the balance. They're not going to hang in the balance anymore. No, and, and like we wrote, Ohio State will be like the equivalent of a Kansas in the NCAA basketball tournament. They're always going to be in. They're always going to be, at least as with their current program set up, they'll be one, two, top six team most years. And But this game, it always holds those consequences. It won't have the same consequences. And that's why it's got to sting a little bit. I mean, not just, not just that they lost to Michigan. They lost to an acting coach. And as we wrote, there was... Plausible deniability the last couple of years because of the sign stealing stuff. Now there's no excuse. I mean, there's no the the one thing I'm hearing up here is well, the one play Roman Wilson may have fumbled in Denzel Burke might have ripped the ball out of his knee was down. I'll save everybody the drama. And Roman Wilson had the ball, the knee was down, and it was bang bang. It was if, bang bang, and they but they do rule like, did you complete the catch? The complete the catch. Sometimes you do have to kind of go to the ground. And mm-hmm. I felt had he ripped it out and it was right. and not retained position, had he just ripped it out and the ball flew away, they might have gone incomplete live. Right. But it was kind of a well, he must have landed and ripped it out because that's generally how those plays go. And maybe right. that was the case. So it, it, it couldn't be overturned. I agreed with that. But it was just a really awkward situation and turned out to be obviously huge. Right. And I, I think uh, it, it, you know, if that's what you're resting Ohio State lost because of this, that's no, no. It, it's, right. it's not enough. So, yeah, great game, great atmosphere. They'll do it again. You know, obviously, Michigan will go to the playoff if they win this week and they may go anyway. Um, Ohio State. There is a scenario there. We're sketching those out, and I'll I'll do it real quick. I just said, I was telling my high state buddies, so if these following things happen, the Buckeyes might still be number four. Michigan beats Iowa, because you can't have Michigan lose. Georgia beats Alabama. Alabama's out. Washington beats Oregon. Oregon's out. There's three. There's three unbeatens. Florida State loses. Not a conference champion. Uh, and then Texas loses. If all of those things happen, Ohio State could slide into the number four. <laughs> so that that's a lot to ask for, but they added a lot to ask for last year, and they slipped into the playoffs. So 
that's something to keep an eye on this week as we unfurl all those uh, playoff scenarios. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I didn't I didn't think that through enough, but they we'll see what they fall to tomorrow night, and then yeah, I mean Texas would have to lose because they only have one loss and they got that win against Alabama. So yeah, Ohio State will be ranked ahead of Texas tomorrow night, but they're setting it up like. But you're it's it's for for those of us that play a lot of cards. Your Ohio State doesn't have another card. Right. Texas is getting another card. Florida State's got another card. And that's, you know, even Washington. So, like, here's a question for you, Bill. If, if all of those things happen and Oregon beats Washington, we probably should save this for tomorrow night. But <laughs> Washington would have one loss and Ohio State would have one loss and neither would be a conference champion. Who do you take there? Like, it's it's very – there's some interesting scenarios that we're going to get into over the, the course of the week. And – you know, one involves, I think, the next team we're going to talk about. Yes. Topic number two, Alabama. Holy mackerel, that was fun. Uh, fourth and 31. I think you saw the end of this in the Ann Arbor press box. Uh, I had it on pretty much uh, throughout, you know, the Iron Bowl and Jordan Hare. It just it delivers again. Auburn plays way over its head against Alabama. They've covered five out of the last six at Jordan Hare against Alabama, and they had this one obviously 100% won, a 31-yard touchdown pass on fourth and goal uh, by Alabama. Jalen Monroe to Isaiah Bond. Monroe, boy, this leading up to the that play, he looked totally out of sorts. They obviously had the, the snap where he wasn't ready for it. The center snapped it too quickly. They, they fall all the way back down to the 26-yard line, I guess, and then they, you know, the third down play, he goes way past the line of scrimmage, two or three yards pass, and does an illegal forward pass. Everything is falling apart. And then on fourth down, Auburn only rushes two people. He has all day long back there. They got five receivers in the end zone. They have eight DBs back there. Somebody's in single coverage, and they found him in the corner, and he threw a dart. I mean, yeah. perfect perfect pass right in the window for a jump ball. And, uh, and they did it and they just ripped Auburn's heart out 10 years after Auburn ripped Alabama's heart out. So it's unbelievably fun, but on the flip side, on the college football playoff side, if Alabama's looking for style points, it was stylish and exciting, but they beat what a seven and five team. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a season saving play and the iron bull is the one, you know, Zach Al-Khatib, one of our former colleagues who's out USA Dead Day, he would always argue Iron Bowl versus High State Michigan with me. And I would say Auburn, Alabama probably has more hate because they're in the same state. They got to live next to each other. But it's not a better game than Ohio State Michigan on a consistent basis. But this one kind of defied that. You know, Auburn had just lost. If you'd have told me Auburn was going to lose to New Mexico State, and then be one play away from beating Alabama in a two-week stretch. I've told you, what are you talking about? Like, no. But, you and know, the, Al- the possession was set up by a fumbled pun on a fair catch. Right. And I was watching that off Dennis Dodd's phone, uh, the the great CBS sports writer and, and a good friend who he – a quick story about Dennis. When I'm at these games with him and the replay happens, he, like, will be watching on the TV and he'll be like, Bill, Billy, what happened? And I'll be like, I'm not the replay official, Dennis. Like, I don't, I'm telling you what I think, but he makes me laugh. He's such a wonderful person. And 
Um, yeah, so he let me watch off his phone. And Alabama um, just got it done. So it sets up, obviously, the big game of this week. And we'll get into that later in the week, the matchup with Georgia. I don't think too many people are going to pick Alabama. And that is a dangerous proposition. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, Milro, he 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 regressed a little bit in that the only good plays they were making for a while was just scrambles by him. He dropped back, and then he'd scramble. It's what he looked like against Texas, actually. You remember the second half against Texas? He'd get back. If his primary guy wasn't open, he's looking to run. And then he kind of got away from that, and he developed during the season, and he looked like he was more comfortable waiting for receivers to break open and things like that. But when things were falling apart against Auburn again in the second half, he was tucking it and running. And that's something that, you know, Georgia obviously is going to see on film and Georgia is going to want to pressure him. And Georgia wants to going to get him in that same mindset that he had against Auburn. Well, as we put, uh, you know, the last four games. So over in November, Jalen Milrow, 69.4 completion percentage, averages 6.1 yards per carry. That makes him an interesting problem. You know, if he's completing 70, if he completes 70% of his passes and averages six yards per carry against Georgia, one of the best defenses in the country in yards per carry or yards per play, Alabama will have a chance to win. I just worry about the decision-making, the things that happened early in the season. Georgia can, if Georgia can get to him, kind of like Auburn did a little bit. And if Georgia, Auburn's interesting to me, for later, though, you know, Hugh Freeze, they were able to run the ball on Alabama and Georgia. Big give, Hugh Freeze, give Hugh Freeze a little bit of time. They're going to be a frisky team in the SEC West. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So that, that game was so fun. And you can have your 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 sunset in the third quarter of the Rose Bowl. And everybody talks about it. They had a shot on CBS on Saturday night of the just this red orange sky. When everything else was dark over the stadium, it was absolutely gorgeous, and that that setting, that setting was to me better than the, than the Rose Bowl setting at the end of the third quarter. That everybody talks about it was absolutely gorgeous. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. All right, now let's go out to the Pac-12. Another near miss at Washington. The Huskies won on a walk-off field goal against Washington State. Who was four and seven entering the game, two and six in the Pac 12. This game had a stunning fourth and one call by Washington on the game winning drive. I think I told you about this one while you were mm-hmm. driving back from Michigan. The Huskies were at their own 29 yard line with 107 left. Now, Ryan Day is punting there. We all know that. But uh, 
you come up short here, you lose. And they mm -hmm. run a reverse to Rome Odunze, who wrote, goes 23 yards. It was their longest run of the day. And then the Huskies eventually kick a walk-off 42-yard field goal by Grady Gross, who was then given a scholarship after the game in the locker room by Kalen DeBoer. It was a great, exciting win. But again, no style points, that's for sure. They were outgained. They were out time of possessed by a losing team at home. Yeah, but they won. And and now, like we talked about with Oregon this week, they're almost a double-digit underdog. They're an undefeated team that's a double-digit underdog. Who Amazing. Yeah, and I, for them, they survived. I, I think it's going to set up where if we were ranking the conference championship games this weekend, that's number one. Oregon-Washington rematch. Mm -hmm. Winners in. Georgia, I, I can't believe I just said that. Like, it's to me, that's more interesting than – Georgia probably beating Alabama. And, but that's the game. Those are the two that, that are going to be super exciting. And I, I think they survived. You know, we talked about this last week where whenever somebody says the records don't matter, I kind of like, well, they do. But <laughs> some of these rivalry, it's hard to gauge on rivalry week. Like I kind of knew Kentucky-Louisville would be a game. I had that feeling the whole time. I didn't think Georgia Tech would hang around with Georgia for a half. No idea. I knew Oregon would beat Oregon State. Had no, and I had a feeling Washington State would hang around, but but not by this much. So, to me, it's like if you win that game, you're good. You celebrate. It doesn't matter how you did it. Style points are irrelevant because you won your rivalry game, and that's kind of how I view Washington right now. It was so fun, and then another fun one. Another team that almost lost in a rivalry game. Florida State. They're in the top eight, of course, undefeated. They had to play without Jordan Travis for the first time. They fell behind 12-0 in the swamp, trailed 12-7 at the half, trailed 15-14 after three quarters. And then they came. This is against a Gator team that's under 500. Let's remember they were uh they finished five, they were five and six entering the game. Uh and then about the fourth quarter, Florida State ended up uh taking control, came out with the victory. Uh Tade. Uh, Tate Rodemaker was 12 for 25, 134 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Didn't look great against a very bad defense statistically. Florida came in ranked 92nd in the nation on defense. And then Rodemaker uh, had to go out for a series because he was hit while he was sliding uh, and uh, took a, a shot to the head. He ended up coming back for the last uh, possession of the game. So I think he was cleared. Should be okay for the ACC championship game, um, but again, no style points. So it's it's interesting, right? That the you know some of the potential college football playoff candidates, uh, even Georgia, one score win at Georgia Tech, not fantastic. Uh, you know, uh, Michigan, Oregon, and Texas—they look good. The three of them look good. Everyone else, eh, kind of okay. Yeah, Texas looked the best of all of them. Yeah, I mean, and. So what it creates is this scenario that we talked about last week where Florida State is, by accomplishment, a playoff team if they win. 13-0, you know, you can't penalize the team for a quarterback injury. What is interesting is Louisville absolutely could win this game, and there's going to be one college football fan base by the time we get to this game. Because I still think – I do think Michigan's in if they lose. I just – just looking at the board, like I, Michigan could lose to Iowa in fluky fashion. I still think they're not going to leave the Big Ten out. 
I mean, that's my, I'll have to like confirm that through like every chaos scenario, but somebody's going to be rooting very hard for Louisville on Saturday night because the rest of it will be pieced together already. Texas will be, and I think it's going to be Texas. I think Texas fans are going to be sitting there. Georgia will be in, Michigan will be in, um, Washington, Oregon winner will be in and Texas and Florida state are going to go for that final spot. That's what I think is going to happen. So (laughs) I wonder how many Longhorns fans are going to buy up that Cardinals gear over the weekend. And they're going to start arguing that the one loss Texas team should be in over Florida state. And they have a point, but they're going to lose. They're going to lose the argument because the committee will just not turn away a 13 and O team. And, And that's the bottom line. I mean, Florida state, it wasn't pretty. You mentioned Tay Rodemaker wasn't efficient. He has a 52% completion percentage over the last two weeks. The running game kind of sputtered outside of Benson. The defense is still good, though. Defense mm-hmm. is still pretty good. And, you know, Rodemaker will have to figure it out. I mean, here's the committee's choices at that point, and it's unenviable, right? So let's say what you said just happens. And Michigan and Washington are in the Rose Bowl, or Michigan and Oregon. That's easy. Whew, that'll be fun either way. Um Georgia beats Alabama, and then they either got to play Florida State, who, with Rodemaker, with that unfortunate Jordan Travis injury, I don't want to pin that all on Tate Rodemaker. They're a 14-point favorite, probably, Georgia. Georgia versus Texas, with one loss, Georgia's probably a 7-8 point favorite. Texas is rolling right now. So, yeah, but I think they'll take Florida State. I I could be wrong. The ultimate chaos scenario is Alabama winning. I mean, that... Oh, it makes everything so much more messy. If sure. Alabama wins and Florida State wins, and you've got Michigan, Washington, and Florida State are undefeated, and you've got Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Texas going for one spot with one loss, <laughs> can you imagine? They, they'll probably put Alabama, Alabama. in, and, they, and that's going to really anger Texas people. I'll but, say, because they beat them. That's the big. I pointed that debate out a month ago. You didn't want they, me to write about it. I said they this beat is him coming. by ten in Tuscaloosa. I told you this was coming a month ago. I said, Woo. you know, this is that, this that is Alabama. The that is the chaos situation. That SEC championship game. So, all right, we gonna. I want to bounce around for a couple of notes. I was so excited to talk about Week 13. I forgot to give you the Trochi trivia. Uh huh. Beginning of the show. I'll give it to you now. Then we'll do some national notes real quick. Then we'll do the trivia answer. How's uh-huh. that? Sure. Trochi trivia. Washington went nine and zero in the Pac-12. When's the last time someone went nine and zero in the Pac-12? That's the trivia question. Nine and zero in the Pac-12. All right, bounce around. Mike Elko headed to Texas A&M. Uh, not Mark Stoops, which it was reported, and there had to be some meat to the report because a lot of people were talking about it, and Mark Stoops felt compelled to issue a statement that he was not going. So I don't know how that fell apart at the last second. It did feel like there was something on the table there. And Mike Elko was the second choice. I think Mike Elko probably should have been the first choice over Mark Stoops. Um, Give me your thoughts on that. The Heisman race still up in the air. Uh, The clear three of uh, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, and Jaden Daniels. That's going to be fun. We saw Arch Manning this weekend on Friday night, two for five, 30 yards. That was fun to see. Arizona Arizona buried Arizona State. Jed Fish. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to scoop him up pronto. I don't know who it's going to be. Uh, we had NC State somehow all of a sudden being 9-3, and five-game winning streak. 
uh, where they beat Clemson, Miami, and North Carolina. Where did that come from? And then Jamie Chadwell polishes off a 12-0 record at Liberty. How did Mississippi State not kidnap him and bring him All to right. Sparkville over Jeff Levy? I can't figure that one out. So threw a lot at you. What you got? Whoa. Let's start with Mark Stoops and Mike Gelko. And Mark yeah. Stoops was AM's coach for maybe 20 minutes, at least on our <laughs> site for on the coaching carousel that I update. I 100% put that on there for maybe four minutes. So if anybody <laughs> got that, see, I admit my mistakes. Um, that's our Dewey. That's a far cry from Dewey Beach Truman. But um, yeah, it, you know, Ryan Day in Texas A&M was a popular topic in the press box. So that ended that conversation where it was seen as maybe a little bit of a ripcord for him if he was like, oh, I'm not going back to Columbus and deal with that for 365 yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Elko's solid hire. Makes sense hire. Solid. Just like Michigan State with Jonathan Smith. Solid hires. Um, not flashy. But those guys are program builders. They'll be tough outs. And the Texas A&M job to Texas against Texas is very similar to the Michigan State job against Michigan. You're you're never going to win the headlines, but you can win the football games with the right coach. Mark D'Antonio did that at Michigan State. Maybe Jonathan Smith can do that. Mike Elko, best hire for them. Uh, he was one of our top candidates in the list we did early. Uh Heisman, yeah, you nailed it. I mean, probably if Bo Nix has a huge game, he wins the Heisman. I think that's where we're at. I uh, saw read some negative stat, not negative, just like he had a, a very high percentage of his passes were behind the line of scrimmage or within like two or three yards of the line of scrimmage. And it felt like it was inflating his completion percentage, which is like out, out of this world at eight, near 80% or whatever. But I watched him Friday night against Oregon State. He's throwing the ball downfield, and he is super, super accurate. So those he isn't a Mike Leach guy. We're throwing those little things, or you know, it just the system makes a quarterback. Bo Nix is legit. Those stats that I dismissed him once I watched him play. He's he's legit. Yeah, he's a veteran quarterback and super efficient. They looked like every game the last month. I've been like, yeah, they're going to cover. They're going to dominate, and they have. So Dan Landing's got it going on right there. Um, Arch Manning played great. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I noticed that trended quickly. So it quickly. speaks to the family name and and what he does. Uh, NC State was one of the best teams. NC State and Arizona. I hope they play in a bowl game. It'd be a fun yeah. one. You know, two of the better teams in the country at what they did. Um, you know, late in the season. You're right about Chadwell. I would consider him a, a, a pretty good coach of the year candidate. Again, a guy that just wins. Does Duke, just wins. Does Duke go after him? Maybe. They probably should. He's due for a power five job. Mm. And, uh, you know, Le- Levy is, he's pretty well regarded. And I don't mind that hire at all because, again, Mississippi State can't just line up and beat Alabama. and can't just line up and beat Georgia. You go back to the, something that's a variation of what, if it's somewhere in between what Dan Lanning and, or not Dan Landing, Dan Mullen, who uh, apparently was a candidate for the Syracuse job, and <laughs> Mike, the late Mike Leach, what they did at Mississippi State. If you can create something offensively that's a little bit different, you can give people fits, and uh, I think that's what's going to happen there. Uh, that's about it from the weekend. I'm trying to think if there was anything else I noticed over the weekend other than the coaching hires are spinning out of control. We set it up. Um just can't get past the thought of Iowa, Michigan, and Jim Harbaugh is back now. And, you know, picture this scenario where either A, Iowa upsets them with an offense that 
ranks 13th in the Big Ten in points and has been a punching bag all year, or B, Jim Harbaugh accepting the Big Ten championship trophy from Tony Petiti. There's going to be a lot of pictures and a lot of memes of that when it happens. I am going to pitch this story to Mike DeCourcy. You're too busy this week, but I think he's going to have fun with it. This is the weekend of awkward trophy presentations across the country. Mm-hmm. We could have uh, Brett Yormark having to hand the trophy to Texas, Texas after Texas mocked them, mocked him on the scoreboard when he talked trash to the Texas Tech boosters. We could have Florida State. Jim Phillips could go to Florida State, who's been complaining about the ACC for 12 months. Mm-hmm. We're going to have George Klavikov giving the trophy to either Washington or Oregon, the two teams that basically collapsed his conference and yep. humiliated him. And then uh, oh, it's fine in the SEC. Tony Petiti with the, having to yeah. hand it to Michigan after they went back and forth and argued with each other and, and tried to humiliate. And Petiti skipped the game in the big house this week. And you so, know, who, and Greg Sankey won't have an awkward one because Greg the Sankey, SEC's... he can't wait for Saturday. He's yeah. the only commissioner that, that's sitting back, relaxed. And, yeah, it's uh, like I either got one that's won thirty in a row, or I got the other with the greatest coach of all time. <laughs> I'm going to watch this great game, and maybe afterward, if Alabama wins, I'll just start politicking that these are the two best teams. He's got the easiest job of the five. That's what I'm Hands saying. Down. It's good so, to be Greg Sankey. When's it not good to be Greg Sankey, man? Come on. Yeah, all right. Yes, exactly. All right. Trochi trivia question again. Oregon. Oh. <laughs> I already knew that. I'll help you. I'll tell you the year. Okay. Good. 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 Washington went nine and zero. Who is the uh, last Pac-12 team well, to go nine and zero in the conference? Oregon in 2010. Yes. Yes. Yeah, with Chip sorry. Kelly, and uh, they played Auburn, and that was. I, I they went undefeated, right? They were twelve and zero, and they I think, the, think they were the last twelve and zero team in the conference. So I'm pretty. I would you look that up, but yeah, Oregon played Auburn, had a chance to win the game, and had oh, a chance to be a nice team. Yep, in, uh, and Chip Kelly still has a job at UCLA, so good for him. But yeah, I knew you're good. You gave it away, but I already knew. I already knew it was Oregon in 2010, and I was wondering. My only hiccup was. Okay, so I know Oregon lost in 14 to Arizona. I was trying to figure out, like, in my head, 11, 12, 13. Like, I know there was an Andrew Luck team in there that lost, and I'll have to go back and look so I know for next time. But, yes, Oregon 2010, Washington can win and break this playoff drought, or Oregon can win and get back to the playoff. And like you said, what a great theme for the weekend. A lot of awkward handshakes. No question. No question about it. So, all right, well, we will be back. Tomorrow night after the College Football Rankings show, go to YouTube, our YouTube channel, College Football Nation, or CFB Nation, sorry, and you can subscribe. You'll get a notification that we're going live. We'll do a live reaction show with Brian Driscoll from Irish Breakdown, and we'll talk about you know where Ohio State fell and some chaos scenarios, I'm sure. That will be fun. That will be, again, Tuesday night after the show and after ESPN show, and then we'll be back Uh, later in the week to predict the conference championships and review the rest of, you know, what's going to happen for this great, great season. So thanks to everyone for listening to CFB nation, all America podcast presented by twisted T. Thank you to Irish breakdown, your source for Notre Dame football information. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you soon.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.